having a community of believers around you is so important. I know that when I was in medical school, like if I didn't have my CNDA brothers and sisters around me, I don't know that I would have made it, honestly. Just having them there to be there to encourage me and to hold me accountable when I wasn't walking the narrow path was very important. And so having those connections with people for each step of your journey, whether it's as a medical student, a resident, a young physician just starting out, or even later on if you're in academics or in a specialty, it's just very important to have that community of believers around you. Hi, this is Pastor Bert Jones, and you're listening to CMDA Matters, the weekly podcast of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. This is my third week stepping in as host for Dr. Mike Chupp, who's traveling again internationally this week. That voice that you heard at the beginning of today's episode was Dr. Kathy Scarborough, a member of CMDA from Alabama. Isn't it encouraging to hear from members just like you who are going through the same healthcare journey? Knowing you are not alone is one of the biggest benefits of being a CMDA member. Before I introduce today's guest, I have a quick question for you. Have you been planning to give during our fiscal year-end giving campaign, but haven't taken the time to do so yet? If that's true, then let me encourage you to take a few minutes and to make your gift today. With your help and the help of others, we will be able to claim that entire $320,000 matching gift. June 30th is coming quickly, and this opportunity will be gone soon. To give towards our matching gift campaign, visit cmda.org match or call our stewardship team at 888-230-2637. And thank you so much for those of you who've already given a gift as we approach our deadline on June 30th. If you're a regular listener of the podcast, you're going to recognize the voice of our guest, and that's because he was on CMDA Matters earlier this year in February. Our interview today is another recording from the 2022 CMDA National Convention, and it's a conversation with Dallas Jenkins, the creator and director of The Chosen TV series. For those who may not have heard about The Chosen before, it is an amazing multi-season look at the life of Jesus. It's had millions of views in its two seasons, and it's reaching the nations as the largest crowdfunded film project of all time. Let's listen in as Dr. Chupp interviewed Dallas during the convention back in April. Well, CMD, I have uh, basically Jamie Campbell to blame for the fact that we invited some trouble on stage today. <laughs> Mr. Dallas Jenkins, uh, thanks for joining us. I mean. Your series has uh, transformed, I think, uh, the way that we look at Jesus and his life and story. And I'll just give you one example. I carry this iPad. I brought it up here not because I need it for this interview, but because I carry this around everywhere I go. And I've had so many people say, you're a chosen fan too. Just three <laughs> words, come and see. So. Dallas, thank you for joining us. You've got a super busy weekend this weekend. Thank you so much for having me. The Christian Medical and Dental Association's National Convention. I can't imagine the parties that have taken place. <laughs> the Marriott has no idea what, what they were getting into, haven't you guys here? Did you stay up till like 10 o'clock last night? <laughs> 
have some drinks with sugar in them and <laughs> really go a little crazy for the convention. But this is exciting. This is really exciting. When I told people I was coming here, they were like, whoa, <laughs> look out. So, uh, no, it really means a lot to, to be here. And uh, we actually start filming on Monday. And, uh, yeah. So uh, I'm really happy to squeeze this in. I appreciate it. I, I just got online this morning. Just a few thousand less than 400 million views of The Chosen yeah. since it started. So when this vision came to mind, and I, I, I will get to season three, because I know that's what you really want to tell, and that's what you guys want to hear about, is about season three. But any role that your dad had in this vision and idea for The Chosen, uh, what role did he play, if at any? So my dad is, the, is Jerry Jenkins. He's the author of the Left Behind books. And I was in college when the first Left Behind book came out. And I got a front row seat to multiple things that made a big difference on me now. It's a little over 25 years later. Not necessarily a direct impact on The Chosen. It wasn't his idea or anything like that. But I got to witness, first of all, the hunger that people had for taking God's word and not changing it, of course, but making it even more palatable and human in our minds than what sometimes religion can do for us. There are so many things that can get in the way of us seeing Jesus clearly and having a personal relationship with God and a personal relationship with Jesus of Nazareth. And some of those things include our own churches and our own religion, our own habits. And when we get a chance to really realize that God's word is true and that the people that God's word talks about, whether past or future, which is the, in the case of Left Behind, and realizing that we have a part of the story, it is extraordinary just how much that resonates. And so I got to see that firsthand when the Left Behind books came out. I also got to see my dad experience it. And as the series began to explode and have impact around the world, um, it actually made him more humble. It made him more broken, more surrendered, more recognizing that he had clearly very little to do with it, that he was responsible, as I like to say, for the loaves and fish, but God was responsible for the multiplication. And so he just kept writing and kept churning out these books, uh, not for the sake of uh, getting millions of, view, of, of readers, but for the sake of honoring God and, and obeying the calling. And so that has had a huge influence on The Chosen for me, is that as the series has grown and impact around the world, it's partially because of my dad's example, making me more broken and more surrendered and more eager to maintain focus on the work, not on the results. Why the name Chosen? Where did that come from? Yeah, there's three meanings behind it. One is uh, Jesus as the Chosen One, of course. Another is the Jews as God's chosen people. The story, it's a very Jewish story in its roots, but of course it becomes universal for all of us. But then also the chosen that Jesus chose to follow him when he was on earth. So the series, as you know, uh, if you've seen it, takes the majority of the perspective is from those who met him. And so uh, the chosen re re reflect the people that he chose to follow him, most of whom were unlikely. Dallas, a lot of movies about Jesus, the Jesus film that's made international acclaim, that's won a lot to Christ. 
Why did you feel there was room for one more movie or series? Obviously a very different paradigm, but what led you to believe there's room for one more? The answer is a little bit in the question. I, be, because there's been so many, and I've seen pretty much all of them, I think it needed one more, just because uh, <laughs> I've seen all of them, and I'm like, right. with, there are some exceptions, but for the most part, especially when I was growing up, I was like, why is Jesus so boring? Um, he just seems so distant and formal. And one of the problems that I always had experiencing Jesus throughout my life, I happen to be an evangelical, which I think evangelicals different from other faith traditions. We do have a little bit more, I think, or at least I should say it this way, less of a symbolic idea of Jesus. We don't have as many paintings. We don't have as many stained glass windows or statues as perhaps other faith traditions. But what I oftentimes see is man, Jesus often feels like a stained glass window or feels like a statue, feels like something distant. And then we have an opportunity to do a, a film about him and it doesn't feel all that different. Um, it's very rare to see Jesus as a human being. And I think part of that is because people feel hesitant that, that if they stress the humanity too much that it might take away from the divinity of Jesus. And what I've found since I've been making The Chosen is that stressing the humanity in the show actually enhances the divinity because you think, oh my goodness, the creator of the universe was one of us for a time. So in many ways, The Chosen was a response to that. It was, a, it was feeling what I believe to be a need in people's experience with who Jesus is. When you came on CMDA Matters a couple of months ago and did the interview, I, I was focused maybe a little bit on technical aspects of miracles. And I think you gently but respectfully sort of pushed back and said, we're not about miracle of the week on The right. Chosen. Yeah. And in fact, you pointed out that one episode and that an entire day was spent of miracles and it had nothing to do with watching Jesus heal people, but about relationships. And yeah. you also pointed out that in this COVID pandemic that, that Jesus was just absolutely blasted after a day of healing people and he needed his mom. Yeah, yeah, okay, so you're referring to um, episode three of season two, which is that um, Jesus spends the entire day healing. It's based on, the episode is actually titled Matthew 424, that he spent the day healing people. And so when I was writing the episode, we were focused on what was happening backstage, which is the disciples were taking turns helping. And they were exhausted and they were having to get breaks, but Jesus was doing it the whole time. And as the disciples are hanging out backstage and sitting around a fire, things escalate and they start questioning each other and then questioning the Messiah and then things escalate to the point where they're arguing. And at the very end of it, Jesus comes back from healing and he's absolutely like, I hadn't used that term before, blasted, but that's a good one. Um, exhausted, uh, there's blood on him, he's sweating profusely, he can barely hold himself up. And I remember initially there were some fans of the show who were, who were thrown off by that. Well, they, first of all, it's rare to see Jesus that way in any portrayal other than when he's on the cross. Um, and I think for a lot of people, they didn't have the idea that healing would ever exhaust Jesus. He was the son of God. He, what, what would ever have made him tired? And I think we have this picture of Jesus just waving his hand over someone and, and they're healed. But, but two things I believe are very important and I think they're evidenced in the gospels. One is Jesus's healing, and this goes to the beginning of your question, which is it was personal. 
Jesus' healings were always done for more than just the physical malady. You see throughout the Gospels and a lot of these healings, it was about sins being forgiven. It was about the healing being done in a way that spoke to that person's individual need, not just physical. I believe that Jesus' healings were rarely quick, that it was intense and personal, and that he was communicating with the Father at the same time. And so I believe that in and of itself would have been exhausting, but we also know that uh, in the healing of the bleeding woman, that when she touched his garment, that it says the power went out of him. He felt something. Mm. And it was clear, if you extrapolate that and apply it across the Gospels, that that must have been an exhausting thing to do that all day. And so at the end of the night, he's so exhausted he can barely stand up. And then his mom gets an opportunity for the first time in a long time to be necessary to Jesus. And I think that's something a lot of mothers feel. In the video you just showed, you see these mothers holding their children. And it is a beautiful, beautiful moment. But there comes an age when your kids, I mean, I'm experiencing now, I have two kids in college, and there comes an age where they start to become less in need of you. And especially when you're the mother of the, of the Messiah. Um, it, it, <laughs> you feel a little bit less necessary, but in that moment, she had an opportunity to be necessary, to wipe his sweat, to help him get his shoes off and help him get to bed. And I think that scene and that whole, I think that represents the whole show. And I think it hopefully represents our relationship with Jesus as recognizing that there was a time when he was one of us and that he can identify with not only our struggles and our, our physical strains, but also with you in this room, literally, as healers. Well, you mentioned the woman who had been healed of her bleeding and uh, told me that's coming in season three. So why don't we segue to season three? Talk to us about season yeah. three. <laughs> Perfect segue. I didn't set you up for that at all. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm, I was telling them earlier, I'm no longer Dallas Jenkins, the friend or the father or the person who might have a good conversation. I'm Dallas Jenkins, the one with information on season three. Uh, <laughs> that's how people see me now. Um, we, like, as I mentioned, we start filming season three very early Monday morning. So it is very important that the plane that I'm taking today actually takes off and lands. So pray for that. Um, yeah, we start Monday morning filming season three. And here's what's really interesting. When I booked this engagement with you, it was over a year ago. And uh, at the time, I did not know that what I'm about to say is true, which is that the theme of season three is actually come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Uh, when you shared that verse earlier, I thought, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Season three is very much about healing. More than in any season before and in the future, we are focused on multiple key moments. One of which I can't share, it's a, it's a major spoiler, but we do cover a few things this season that are significantly pr uh, resonant with, with you, I believe. Uh, one is you may have noticed in the first couple of seasons that uh, little James, who's played by an actor who has some pretty significant physical maladies, um, back issues, and, and he has a severe limp and has had multiple surgeries in his life, but uh, is, is pretty severely handicapped when he, as he walks. And when I cast him to play one of the disciples, I realized I was painting myself into a corner in that in season three here, Jesus sends out the disciples two by two. And this happens in the Gospels, what may be on two occasions where he does this, does this, and it, he temporarily gives them the power to do all the things that he does. Cast out demons, heal people, bless people, and, and uh, so we have that in this season. 
And little James, who discusses in episode three of season two, the fact that he discusses it with the, with the disciple Thomas, the fact that he's afraid to ask for healing. He, doesn't, he almost doesn't want Jesus to notice that he's got issues because it might make Jesus regret having called him to follow him. And, and they have a discussion about that. Well, he's keeping it to himself for the most part. But then when he gets called by Jesus to go heal others, well, it begs the question that I've been a little bit fearful of addressing uh, this whole time with this show. So we have a scene where little James comes to Jesus and says, okay. But he says to Jesus, what's the deal? You're asking me to go heal people and I'm not healed. And they have that conversation and Jesus explains to him why he may not be healing him when he does others. And uh, I really believe that, that that's going to be a scene that you resonate with because it is a question that I believe you've faced many times in your lives and in your careers because you have had many patients who have not been healed. You've had many patients who were. You've had many patients who were healed miraculously, some healed by your hand because of your training. Mm. Um, it's an issue that I think lots of people who are on the verge of their faith struggle with. And we just dive right in in season three. We do cover the story of the bleeding woman in season three. We cover the story of what happens right after the bleeding woman, which is Jairus's a daughter who, uh, when Jairus went to Jesus and asked for healing, she was alive but struggling. By the time they get there, she's no longer alive. And we've got multiple other things that happen in this season, storylines that are very, very relevant to what you're going through or what you've dealt with as, as doctors and, and, and medical professionals. And uh, that's the, the theme of season three. And, and at the end of season three, Jesus is preaching to the 5,000 plus, uh, we, we cover the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And one of the things, one of the key things that he says is come to me all you who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. And the theme of the season is that that rest and that healing that he provides is more than just physical. So yeah, I think it's very, uh, very relatable and hopefully, which is I'm, I'm assuming I could have skipped all of that and just gotten to this part, which is uh, this episode's come out by the end of the year. <laughs> I, I'm sure that our CMDA members, I think about quite frequently this transformative program that you have written and, and directed that I just can't imagine that has, has not had tremendous impact on Jonathan and the other members of your cast. Um, talk to us about some things that have happened along the way. As you're, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in your cast room, some discussions in between shooting the episodes. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so Jonathan plays Jesus. Um, he happens to be a, a born-again Catholic, and so he's a believer. But the majority of the cast are not. They came to us from all different backgrounds and ethnicities and, and life experiences and, and, and faith or lack, lack of faith backgrounds. And it's been really interesting. The obvious opportunity that I've had is that just by talking about the, sh the, the stories, I mean, actors, as they prepare for their scenes, are obviously asking me questions in any project that I've ever done. But in this one, asking about motivation, asking about the backstory. And it's been an awesome experience being able to, to literally share the gospel as, as a, a simple answer to questions about the show that they're doing. So that's been fa fascinating. The other thing is, almost without exception, every scene that involves one of two things 
has had an immense emotional and spiritual impact on the actors. One is when they are quoting scripture. So as you know, the majority of the show isn't directly from scripture. The lines that are being said are not quotes from scripture. But every now and then they get to a scene that's well known from the gospels and we don't change those words. We maybe add uh, in between the gap of, of, of the verses, but for the most part, we don't change anything. So they're, when, they're, when they're actually saying things that are from scripture, every time there's, a, there's something different happens. It's more emotional. It's more, some, they, they, they oftentimes can't even explain it. The other time that causes an extreme reaction sometimes, one, one of which I'll share in just a moment, is when Jesus is looking them in the eyes and saying, follow me, make a decision. It is something. And, and it's happened every time. And on uh, episode seven of season one, Nicodemus is meeting Jesus by night. And there's a moment in the scene where, G in fact, you see it actually in the, in the trailer where Jesus says, follow me and you'll see more. Now, I wrote in that scene that Nicodemus gets taken aback and says, I can't follow you. I've got a life. I've got a wife. I've got a status. I mean, all of these things. And the actor in that moment, Jesus says, follow me and you'll see more. And I'm not exaggerating. I mean, I was sitting there just a few feet away and he starts, he pauses and he, and he leans back and he, and he starts breathing really heavy. And I'm thinking, boy, this is really overacting. This is, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to have to do another take of this one. It kept going. And then he started hyperventilating and this is now 45 seconds into it. And at one point I go, Eric and and he kind of has to calm down and calm down it took about a minute to a minute and a half of him barely able to breathe just okay okay so well, let's do that again and let's start the scene over and we get to the moment and it happens again and I, this time I said to Jonathan I said just you know, put his put your hand on his hand and you know help him calm down and and uh, finally on the third take it was a little bit more usable <laughs> and <laughs> and then later in the scene Jesus says to Nicodemus at, at the end, uh, uh, he says, Nicodemus says, what, is the kingdom of God really here? Like, what, is, is, is this really happening? And Jesus says, what does your heart tell you? And he says, my heart can tell me, my heart is filled with fear and wonder and can tell me nothing except that I am standing on holy ground. And when he said that line, he, he wept. I mean, like, yeah. could, could barely get through it. And it happened in every take. Now, typically, as a director, you want options in the editing room of different, <laughs> <laughs> different takes so that you can choose what works best. And, and I didn't have any different takes. Everyone was weeping. And he says to me, at, after we're done filming, he says, man, I'm sorry, I, I couldn't get the, the, through those moments. I, I don't know what was happening. And I said, I, I know what was happening. <laughs> um, and I, I got a chance to say, listen, in, in, in the Christian faith, there are two things that oftentimes arouse an, an overwhelming emotional reaction that we can't control. And one is when we are standing on holy ground, when there is a holy moment, you see it throughout the Bible that oftentimes people were mute. Um, and I'm sure all of us have had this experience at some point when for whatever reason, a song or a sermon or a moment in church just overwhelms us and it's clear we're having a holy moment. And I said, the other one is when we're making a decision on whether or not we're going to surrender our lives to Christ. And, uh, and, I, and I know this is acting, I know it's a scene, I know Jonathan isn't Jesus, and you're not Nicodemus, but I do believe that when we face that decision, that, and he goes, you think someone's trying to get my attention? 
And I said, I said, yes, I do. And uh, that has happened multiple times in the scenes that you watch in the show where Jesus is calling someone to follow him. If it feels emotional, if it feels like the actor is really delivering in a powerful performance, it's because they were faced with something that felt very real to them. And we have had several cast and crew members who have either been drawn closer to Christ. Um, one of our actors in particular had a relationship with God early in, in her life, and, and it has been revived because of the show. And others who are consistently telling me, I, I'm, I'm seeing things differently now, and I'm pouring into the Bible more than ever. So it's been quite an extraordinary experience. Now, so many creative surprises that happen in season one, the, the, that you're starting with the flashbacks of the Old Testament and then fast forward to a scene that relates funny moments, John the Baptist saying yes when Jesus casts out the demon. Yeah. All that, Matthew being autistic, I mean, it just goes on and on. Is all that creativity coming from your head alone? You have a creative team behind you. Where's all of this coming from? Yeah, so I have two co-writers. So the three of us write all the scripts. And it really is an equal division of labor. One of my co-writers is really exceptional when it comes to biblical history, uh, and antiquities, uh, cultural history. Um, he's also very poetic. I mean, he's the one who wrote the line, I was one way and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him, which even now I've never, I've never said without getting a little emotional. Um, it was the first line ever written in the show. Um, he's great with that kind of thing. I have another writer who's actually one of the people who's, whose relationship with Jesus has emerged from doing the show mm. because uh, he's, he's just exceptional with plot. And, uh, and then my, my strength is character, emotion, uh, humor, um, those kinds of things. I'm not great with, with plot, but when, when, I, when the first drafts of the scripts are delivered to me uh, after our outlines have been coming together, what I focus on is, is just really making the, each moment feel real and feel human and give life to the characters and, and humor to the characters. Um, you mentioned the, the idea of Matthew as being on the spectrum. Um, that's something that when we were plotting out, the, this will just give you an example of how the show works. The three of us were conceiving of the show for the very first time. I'd come up with the idea and I gathered them together and we started plotting out all the seasons and plotting out season one. And when you do that, you're coming up with who are the main characters gonna be? So we, we, we picked the main characters, Nicodemus, Matthew, Mary Magdalene, Jesus, and, and Simon Peter. And you start doing what's called a character profile. You're writing out all of the things we know about them, and we start adding to that. And you're looking through the Gospels first. The Gospels are our primary source of truth and inspiration for the show, obviously. And so we're writing, what do we know about Matthew? All right, he was a tax collector, so he's, he's a numbers guy. And uh, we, he also wrote a book, and the first chapter is nothing but a genealogy divided into three equal sections of 14 apiece. <laughs> and uh, so he's, he's a facts guy. Um, he chose a profession that made him an, an outcast, uh, hated by the Jews for, for betraying their people, disrespected by the Romans for being Jewish, and yet he, he stuck with it. What would cause someone to immediately follow Jesus? All we know from scripture is Jesus walks by, says, follow me, he drops everything and follows him. Okay, we're working our way backwards. Maybe because he was lo so lonely, maybe because he was so outcast and Jesus is choosing him for his team. As we're talking through it, I'm very familiar with the autism world. It's, mm. it's, it's in my family repeatedly. And my wife and I have done a lot of work in the, in the special needs community. And I'm like, this sounds like Asperger's. Like this is, this is someone on the spectrum of these facts. And, and I thought, wow, that's never been done before in a Bible show. Um, 
<laughs> and, uh, and so the, we'd made the decision to do that, not, not to be unique, but to, be to think th this is such a human way into the show. Not only for the sake of, of the people who have experience with autism or who are autistic or who are parents of, of autistic children who we've heard from over and over and over again from around the world. I, I, I've been stunned by how many people who are severely mentally handicapped whose parents have told me that they binge watch the show every day. God is doing something. He's breaking down walls with people across all genders and ethnicities and uh, all of, oh, sorry, genders too, sorry. I didn't mean to sound. <laughs> I know in today's age, I gotta be, <laughs> I gotta clarify. Thank you. I didn't, I didn't mean to sound multiple. Uh, sorry about that. Um, but across all lines and then including neuro, neurodiversity and God is just breaking down whatever bar barriers to say, oh, I, I want you as well. You're just as valuable to me. And Jesus says that in the show and so he can say that to the viewer. But also because the show, we want so badly for it to, f to, to feel human. Mm -hmm. And when you give people specific unique traits like that, I mean, I heard it said by someone that typically in portrayals in the Bible, there's three disciples. There's Simon, who, because he's, he's the famous one. There's Judas, because he's the betrayer. And then there's the other 10. They're all one because they all look the same, talk the same, and they have no distinguishing personality. And uh, we thought giving Matthew this would be a great way in for people to the humanity of the show and also to the message of different, get used to different. I choose you regardless of where you come from, and it might be surprising to you and to others, but I have a purpose for it. I shared it with you in the interview for the podcast, but I have talked to so many different physicians, dentists, others in healthcare about watching the show and Jesus do healing miracles. And I'm not an emotional person. I've talked to others who are just fairly stoic surgeons, and it, and it breaks us down. Yeah, speaking of Asperger's, down. I'm guessing we've got about <laughs> half of the room here. <laughs> Every time I uh, see a certain surgeon or doctor with my family and we can pick up the traits within seconds and we're like, all right, good, we're in good hands. <laughs> you, you talked about plotting the show, the seasons, in a comment earlier. Have you already got it figured out? I mean, or is it, you're kind of doing it season by season in terms of who's gonna, the stories you're going to focus on, the narrative? Yeah, so we, we plotted out, uh, it's going to be seven seasons. We've plotted out in, in broad strokes what the future seasons will look like. And then each year, uh, the three of us get, to get away for a retreat, and we then focus in on the episodes of that upcoming season. And so we narrow down the outline. So as I go into filming season three on Monday, we have already plotted out the episodes for season four and are, in, in fact, writing those episodes now. So my co-writers are working on, um, we're, we're now into episode four of season four, and, uh, and then I, I contribute when I can, because now obviously season three is underway, so I'm very busy, but we keep ahead. Now we know season five, uh, for example, I mean, I, uh, this, isn't, this isn't private information, but like season five is about the arrival to Jerusalem, and we, we, we spend a whole season on that week. And then season six is we, we, we cover the, the, the crucifixion and all that went into that. And then season seven, spoiler alert, Jesus doesn't stay in the grave. <laughs> <laughs> so. it's, been, it's been really great uh, even during the worship time and, and the song that was sung beforehand is, uh, is I, I, 
every time now I sing these songs, I've got it in my head how we're going to do it, and uh, <laughs> and it's really exciting. But yeah, we so we do have that plotted out, but the details. Uh, we don't get to until that particular season when we start going episode by episode. Let's talk about your family. It's Amanda. I want to make sure I had it written down. Yes. Aman- Amanda and four kids. Yes. So what have been the unique challenges for this unexpected, incredible enterprise that has impacted the globe for the story of Jesus? Yeah, it's been, it's been quite a challenge for sure. It's the hardest thing we've ever done. It's also the most rewarding thing we've ever done. But One of the things I'll just tell you already that CMDA has already been a blessing in my life. My oldest daughter, who's in college, in fact, she was at the uh, the pro-life rally that you guys uh, showed. Um, There's one moment where you saw some Liberty students, and I'm like, oh, my daughter's one of them, uh, because she was there. So, uh, but she has Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and uh, is frequently uh, needing surgeries or significant health uh, help. And uh, when I spoke to you on the podcast and you were asking for what to pray for, uh, I was a little bit emotional because we had just gotten the news that she was having some heart issues and combined with her joint issues, it was very serious and she was away from us. She's in college and I was like, do you know any good doctors in, or, or, you know, in Lynchburg? And uh, you guys put me in touch with someone, and it was very, very uh, helpful. Um, I have a daughter who's autistic. I have a son who's adopted who has some uh, some uh, severe medical issues that, that he deals with. And uh, so those kinds of things are, are, are something you do full-time as a parent. But then when you're doing a show like this, and, and you essentially go off-grid for several months while you film, um, you know, we just moved to Texas because that's where we're filming. People in Texas believe Jesus actually lived there anyway, so <laughs> it, uh, it feels like we're filming on location sometimes. Uh, but, but we moved there because I can't, I, I can't be away for so long. Like when I was filming the first two seasons, I lived in Illinois, and uh, we, we, we were oftentimes, you know, I'd be gone for, for a couple months at a time, and they would come out and and be with me for a little bit of time, but it was very difficult. And you, you know what that's like. You know what long hours are. And uh, I can't forsake my number one priority and my number one job as husband and father. So, um, so for sure, God has provided and has sustained, but it's not without its challenges. And, and right now, I mean, it, and, and when we gear up for a season, it is like clockwork, the enemy. I mean, it is just overwhelming every medical issue comes comes back in full force um, every financial need comes back in full force uh, it's just it's 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 shocking we we actually call it the chosen curse because every time someone we hire someone for our for our team like i have a staff and I, we now have a a staff of 30 full-time people year round that doesn't include the hundreds of people who come in for for production but as soon as they get hired they start finding everything going wrong in, in their life. It's just, it is like clockwork. And at the same time, every time God provides, it just seems to happen very late, because he's clearly doing a work in us as, the, as, as uh, he's doing a work in the people that we are portraying. So prayer is, is a key factor. Um, we do ask for it frequently, and my family oftentimes, I feel, bears the brunt of, of the, the tough part of the show, for sure. But we are reminded every day, and I share that. I share that with my kids and my wife. I mean, they are part of this process. My wife is actually responsible for the majority of our extra content, Bible study and devotional books and kids' books. So they're very much a part of it, um, and we share with them the stories. You know, every day when we're hearing from literally thousands of people whose lives have been radically transformed, 
they know that they're part of that, that their sacrifice is responsible or at least partially responsible for what's happening and how God is working through us. I wish this interview could go on for quite a long time, longer than this. Uh, we're kind of reaching the end. Can you give us a specific prayer request? I was here in this room at 6 a.m. with some prayer warriors uh, that brought me to tears over how they were praying for CMDA. A couple of specific prayer requests coming up. Well, uh, w with my family, uh, like I said, we do have a few health, health needs that are, are kind of ongoing. And so I always, you know, there's a, there's a scene in, in uh, season one when Simon is really frustrated because he's being called to leave for a time to follow Jesus. And he's having a hard time doing it because his mother-in-law is sick and he's struggling with leaving Eden, um, his wife, for this period of time. And I remember when I came up with, well, I, I, I shouldn't say it that way. The, th the idea came to me to portray uh, this scene and I thought, what if Jesus is healing Simon's mother-in-law not for his mother-in-law's sake, but for uh, Simon's wife's sake and for the ability to, to, to give Simon the freedom to leave. And God just was like downpouring all, you know, I was, the, the scene, was, I was writing the scene not as fast as it was coming to me. And I remember going to my wife and saying, I have this idea where, where Jesus just goes to Simon's wife instead of going to Simon and just says, I see you. And I remember, I remember when I shared that with Amanda, she immediately started crying, and she said, that scene is going to speak to so many spouses, ministry spouses especially, um, who don't feel like they get spoken to very often and don't feel like they're part of the ministry. Wow. And Jesus says, you're just as much a part of this as Simon is. So the prayer that I usually ask for first is for my wife and kids as we deal with this, but also for the cast and crew especially, some of them who don't know God, but who are devoting so much of their lives to this and are seeing the re impact that their work is having and they love it and they're excited about it. But I do ask for prayer that they insert God as the chairman of the board of their lives and that, and that God makes himself present to them. And starting Monday morning, that that happens for the cast and crew. And there are so many, so many, so many attacks that come and mess with them and some of the actors now experiencing fame you know for the first time in their lives and and that's dangerous um, and so just you know prayers for humility for brokenness and that i as the leader can model that more than anyone cmba can we thank dallas jenkins for taking time out of the schedule thanks dallas What a great interview. It was exciting to hear Dallas share about what we're going to see later this year on season three of The Chosen. If you want more information about The Chosen, you can find the link on our show notes. I'm even more intrigued after learning that season three of the show is going to focus on healing and finding rest. Dallas quoted this scripture from Matthew 11:28 a couple times in his interview when he said, come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That applies to us at CMDA more than we can even begin to imagine. As healthcare professionals who have endured more than two years of a global pandemic, at CMDA, we know you're heavy laden and we know you need rest. 
My question for you today is this, how are you finding rest? If you need help answering that question, I encourage you to get in touch with CMDA's Center for Wellbeing. We have a team of coaches who are focused on helping you find rest, helping you deal with the burnout, helping you overcome the demands of your job and more. You can find more information about the Center for Wellbeing at cmda.org wellbeing. I had an opportunity to write an article that relates to this topic for the spring edition of CMDA Today, our quarterly magazine. It's entitled, How to Distress in Your Distress. One of the consequences of the pandemic has been the increase of stress and the decrease of well-being. It's the rise of frustration and the fall of fulfillment in serving. This has been especially true for those serving in healthcare professions. Under pressure to perform long hours, few have forced themselves to address the personal stress that they face as a result of the ongoing crisis. Failure to address the stress in one's life will often progress into a state of deep distress. If you're feeling that distress, I hope you'll take a few minutes today and read that article. You can find it and other articles from the magazine at cmda.org slash cmda today. An additional resource we have here at CMDA that I believe can be helpful to you, especially if you're feeling that increased level of burnout, is CMDA's weekly devotions. Written by past CMDA president, Dr. Al Weir, these thought-provoking messages are designed specifically for healthcare professionals and the challenges we face on a day-to-day basis. If you're not yet subscribed to receive this email from us, please visit cmda.org blog to sign up. There's so much parallelism between what Dallas was talking about and the work we do as healthcare professionals. We can heal the bodies and souls of our patients through the skills and the knowledge given to us by the power of God. When we focus on healing our patients both physically and spiritually, that has a kingdom impact on our patients and their families. That's why CMDA recently produced Faith Prescriptions, now available for free to CMDA members in the CMDA Learning Center. This on-demand video study is specifically designed to help you live out and share your faith in your practice. You can get started now by visiting cmda.org learning. For those of us who attended the convention in April and were able to hear Dallas in person, we know how impactful it was to be together again with our CMDA family. That's why I wanna encourage you to join us next year for the 2023 CMDA National Convention in Cincinnati, Ohio on April 27 through 30. And just for our podcast listeners, you can use the promo code PODCAST for $25 off registration fees for physicians and dentists. Visit natcon.cmda.org for more information about our speakers and how to register. Have you had a chance yet to register for our upcoming conference in Dallas, Texas? One of the topics that we continue to get requests about is the topic of sexual identity. So this conference is to help meet that need in healthcare. We're partnering with the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary to host an in-person conference called Critical Conversations on Identity and Gender. As Christians in healthcare, how do we speak effectively, truthfully, and graciously while giving care in such an environment? Please join us for this critical conversation as we consider the theological, medical, legal, and pastoral perspectives on identity and gender. You can join us live in Dallas, Texas, or virtually August 5 and 6. Registration is now available at cmda.org events.
I'll be back with you next week. But in the meantime, if you want to suggest a future guest for the podcast, you can email us at cmdamatters at cmda.org. And if you like the podcast, be sure to give us a five-star rating and share us on your favorite social media platform. As we close today's episode, I want to leave you with an encouraging comment we recently heard from a first-year medical student in Texas. CMDA has been the most meaningful thing I've done in med school so far. To have a community of Christ followers who are going through the same thing I am has been invaluable. It's a place where we know we all love each other and God is working. Just like God is working through Dallas and the Chosen TV series to bring Jesus to the world, God is working through you and through the CMDA community to bring the hope and healing of Christ to the world through healthcare. That's what matters to CMDA and CMDA matters. Thanks for listening and hope you'll join us again next week. God bless. This podcast has been a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. CMDA is a nonpartisan organization that does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on this podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members and are not intended to imply endorsement of any political party or candidate.